Welcome to the Award Travel 101 podcast. My name is Jeff Brownson and I'm your host. My full-time job is managing the Award Travel 101 Facebook group. That group is made up of over 60,000 people who travel the world using miles and points. Our group members not only love to learn about award travel, but they are happy to share, teach, and help others learn to travel the world on any budget. This podcast not only gets into the details of award travel and using miles and points, but it also takes a look at my life running a Facebook group full-time and the lives of our members as they travel the world. Have you earned plenty of miles, but you aren't sure what to do next? Are you struggling to find the flights you need to get where you want to go? If you need some help with an award booking, stop by the Award Travel 101 Facebook group and check out our new weekend thread, The Weekend Burn. Just give us the details of what you're looking to book, and some of our 60,000 plus members will help you find the best way to burn those hard-earned miles and points. All right, I'm here today with Ray Noriega, who is a friend I met a couple years ago. Actually, it's a travel podcast, so we met traveling, which was fun. <laughs> we met uh, at uh, a U.S. soccer game, but let's start off welcoming him to the show. Yeah, I mean, great, great to have you here, Ray. Thanks. <laughs> uh, it's funny, I say we met traveling, but you're also traveling now. You uh, stopped by my house for another U.S. soccer game, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But let's go back to when we met. We were talking about it the other day, and I have already forgotten when we decided it actually was. Yeah, so we decided that it was um, at Copa America, the Philadelphia game versus Peru, which was the third game uh, of that. We, You had mentioned that you saw Carlos Valderrama, and I was like, yeah, I, I saw him too. And and that's when we decided, like, well, was that when we met? And as we sat down and tried to figure it out, I went through my matches before that, and you were like, no, I wasn't at those. And uh, no, okay, I was at those ones. And that's kind of what we figured it was. It was that that Philadelphia game. Yeah, so it's kind of funny that we realized how how we had met by the soccer star that we ran into at a restaurant after the game. And we were both like, oh, yeah, yeah I was at that dinner. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because we were all sitting down. And, and I think you were at another table, like right next to where I was. But we all, you know, knew each other, recognized each other. And I remember sitting there thinking, like, that's 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 Carlos Valderrama. I want to say hi to him, but I don't want to bother him during his dinner. And then a group of Colombians saw him and they immediately rushed to him. So we're like, all right, well, they're getting their picture with him. So let's jump in and piggyback and get our pictures with him as well, which is what we all ended up doing. Yeah. And that's I mean, he's very distinctive with gigantic hair. And anyone who's been a, a fan of soccer for years knows that has seen him and would recognize him instantly yeah. anywhere you go. I mean, I, I credit him to being half of the reason I am like a full fledged soccer fan. It's like him and Kobe Jones. I think I just had a thing for the big floofy hair because they both had that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Alexi Lawless back in the day, also probably with the, the big floofy I mean, he he definitely it was more. I think his was more long, whereas yeah. Kobe Jones and Valderrama had the big, out curly hair. But uh, big and puffy. Th- those two are definitely my first um, fandoms as far as soccer players go, uh, which led into me following their careers after 
that World Cup. And eventually running into one at a, at a restaurant in I, Philadelphia. Yeah, that's right. And then becoming friends with you because of it. So there you go. Yeah. So I should <laughs> He's mention that back twice. <laughs> the, the reason that we were both there, um, not only are we fans of U.S. soccer, but we're members of the American Outlaws, which is uh, the largest fan club for U.S. soccer. It's been around when American Outlaws just celebrated their 10th anniversary of showing up and cheering at every type of U.S. soccer game anywhere. So let's get into a little bit of your background. We we now know where we met, but you had a, a pretty interesting background before that, which I, again, I, I didn't even know until we chatted about this weekend. But let's, you used to do stand-up comedy, right? Yes, I did stand-up for about just under 10 years. Um, started doing it in high school. Gosh, I mean, that took me all over the place. Uh, I traveled nationally across the U.S., plenty of shows in Canada, um, a couple shows overseas, but mostly as um, support for other bigger, bigger, much more famous now stand-up comedians. At, towards the end of the career, I was starting to headline, but um, I found that I was a better writer than I was performer, or, or even I enjoyed writing more than I did performing. Um, I am not one to like attention on me and when you're doing stand-up it's all attention on you. yeah you have all the attention yes yeah i mean the, the whole point is to control the crowd make everybody look at you and for somebody who doesn't like the attention on them that's i guess the worst possible thing you could do um, but i mean i was good at it i enjoyed doing it but uh i had more fun on the writing end writing for people going down other ventures in writing gave me more fulfillment in doing comedy than doing stand-up. More what you really like to do. Correct. But you said you got started with that right out of high school. So you were traveling pretty seriously for what you were doing for a living or at least making money at that point. Yeah, I mean... Right it, out of high school. Correct, right. So I, I actually, I boxed and um, I have three Junior Olympic medals, two gold, one silver. Um, I was set on boxing as a career. I mean, you're... I was good. I was good at what I did. It wasn't necessarily something that I enjoyed doing, but it's like, well, I'm good at this. So I guess this is what I'm going to so do for the rest going. of my life. Right. Yeah. And so I blew out my ACL, couldn't walk for months. And in doing that, I, I've always been a fan of comedy. I, I grew up watching Saturday Night Live. My mom and, and, and grandparents were huge uh, Richard Pryor fans. So I was always surrounded by stand up and uh, once I blew up my knee and I couldn't do anything, I just kind of started running jokes. And once I was able to walk again, I was essentially sneaking into clubs saying I was of age and doing open mics. And from doing open mics, you know, you get better at doing things. Obviously, I was terrible the first couple years out. I mean, most people think that, you know, like when you see comedians who are finally blowing up, they, they've been doing it for 15, 20 years until they're finally like, you're yeah, finally, finally seeing them in the limelight. catches and they're yeah. good enough. They've and and people skill. think that they show up overnight, and it's not the case at all. So, I mean, you could ask any comedian. The first couple years of their stand-up is, with the few exceptions, it's god-awful. And when I look back at my first few jokes, oh, it was terrible. But you just, you go through it, you do it, you know, you 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 get better as you go. And, and once I was a, a couple years out of high school, um, I was able to make a you know a little bit of money which is not i mean you're, you're you're basically working a minimum wage job um and still having to work a second job just to be able to cover bills doing comedy it's, not, it's definitely not 
a glamorous job. You don't do it for the money because if you are, you're not going to make money doing it. You know, you got to really love, love the. And I suppose those first few years were especially painful or especially tough for you because not only do it, were you not great at doing the stand up, but you also didn't want to be the center of attention. Correct. Well, well, see, that's the thing. Like looking back, I know I wasn't great at the time. You have to kind of have the attitude of like, with stand-up, you have to walk into the room and say, like, I am the funniest person in the room. Like, that's kind of the mentality you have to have because you're not going to be able to control the crowd if you don't think you're the funniest person in the room. So if you don't while have you that think, confidence. Correct, right. So while you think you're good, you look back and you go, wow, that was not good. <laughs> so it's, you know, it's a little a little both, yeah. And I think most people would do that. And I'm sure after I've done this podcast for a while, I don't know, that people may think I'm terrible now. People may think I'm good, but I'm sure two years from now when I go back and listen to these first few episodes, I'm going to be like, oh, wow. Why yeah. I, why did I talk like that? Why, <laughs> right. why I mean, was my editing so horrible? Why, why <laughs> did I ever put this out there? But you just got to start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's with anything, right? That You get better at it the more you do it. So. So you took a kind of a strange turn or an unlikely turn after or when you decided to get out of comedy and you ended up overseas. Yes. So I working in LA. Oh boy, that that I mean all media in 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 any industry that's whether it's comedy, TV, music, movies, what have you. You know, it's all cutthroat, which is fine. I knew that going in, but uh I was just getting really burnt out in doing stand-up on being on the road and just constantly being told no, which you, you get you, you get you do get used to it, but just it's like, oh, all right, well, another no. All right, well, another no. And I had a friend who was working in Korea and knew I was a big Korean soap opera fan. I watch a lot of Korean soap operas. So you watch a lot of Korean soap operas. Obviously, you're watching them with subtitles because you don't speak Korean. Yeah. So I started taking some uh, classes at the Korean Cultural Center there in L.A. And you learn enough to get by. And, and you start watching your Korean dramas and, and, and you get adverse in some of the words. But I had a friend who was overseas and they said there was a new K-pop oriented TV show that they were going to try to market after English-speaking countries, so not just the American market, but the UK and and uh, Canada, other parts of Europe, and they were looking for somebody who was not Asian, who spoke a little bit of Korean, and knew K-pop. And I was, at the time, this is 2009, maybe 2009, 2010, uh, I was fully in on K-pop. I, I just, I, I loved the dancing and, and, and... So it's like that job description was written for you. Pretty much, yeah. So I'm like, well, hey, I I know a little Korean. I'm not Asian. I know plenty of K-pop. Sure, I'll, I'll apply. And there was only like four or five people that applied for that job. And, and those people were just looking for media jobs. Didn't really know anything about K-pop. Didn't really speak any Korean. They just figured, oh, well, I'll figure it out when I get there. Yeah, and maybe, so it was maybe it, nobody better will apply. Maybe I'll get this. I, I mean, that's pretty much why I got the job. It was for lack of people qualified to apply for the job um and well, you were the qualified one I think. pretty much yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was me and like one other person which it ended up being two of us running the show um so i did that i hosted that tv show for uh two years well two years consistently and then the next three years off and on as like a 
what would be a field reporter. So like, you know how you see shows like Entertainment Tonight or something and they go to like the Grammys and like interview people on the red carpet. Yeah. I, in the third through fifth year, ended up being one of those people where I would go to tours and interview fans and interview um, the artists on like their experience. And at that time, a lot of Korean artists were jumping over to Japan. And so I was following that going to Japan and interviewing them like, you know, how do you, uh, h- how do you see the differences between Korean uh, K-pop music and performing their same stuff, but in Japanese in Japan and, and. So you were based in Korea this whole time? All yes. Five years, all five years in Korea. Yes. And I in would go Seoul? in Seoul. Uh, I lived in Insadong, a little tiny place in Insadong. Um, and I would jump over when they made the transition to the Japanese market, I would, Every two months, I would go over, cover concerts, come back to Korea. Um, and this show was half English, half Korean. So when I when I got there, I thought my Korean was okay. And so I get there, and they're like, okay, you know some Korean, but we're going to put you through rigorous courses of eight hours a day, eight hours a day, learning Korean. Like, in, in a couple months, you're going to be speaking in no time. And I thought, like, that, that's that's going to be impossible and sure enough eight eight months later i'm speaking full-blown korean no problem yeah so they wanted someone to apply who knew a little bit of korean and then they would just make you learn the rest exactly yeah okay which is great because you get there and you think like i'm gonna be able to just speak with people immersively and no everybody under 35 pretty much speaks english and they see you who's not asian and they automatically assume you speak english and that's all they want to talk to you <laughs> yeah, so a lot of English, and that's true uh, all over the world. It's I I'm not going to complain because it's a I mean I guess it's a privilege or one of the right, and it sure makes it easier being, for us. Yeah, right? yeah. being <laughs> English speakers, no matter where we travel, it pretty much at least the younger generation speaks English, right? Um, and I think it kind of spoils us. Yeah, yeah, because even when I wanted to speak Korean, and I'm I'm like, just speak Korean back to me, and they're like. No, but we want to practice your English. And I'm like, your English is better than our English. You don't need to practice. I yes. need to practice my English. I need to practice my Korean. <laughs> it's beneficial for me, not for you. So just speak back to me in Korean. <laughs> yeah. So when you were in Korea, did you travel a lot personally? Did you take uh, little weekend trips or did you pop around the the Asian, the Southeast Asian region a lot when you were there? Yeah, I, I mean, as much as I could work ended up sending me to a lot of those countries. Um, okay. Because K-pop is, I mean, now it's global, but in Asia, it's it's everywhere. It's in the Philippines. People love it in Vietnam and in Australia. I mean, every pretty much every Asian country as as far i probably went as far east as india but mostly i just stayed on that pacific coast countries okay um so you got to explore so, a lot and yeah a lot of so, different places exactly so. yeah so like they they would send me there but i would have time off so even if i wanted to do personal trips i would just wait until work would send it send me there because then i wouldn't have to pay for it and yeah, that would be perfect. and they're setting me up in extremely nice hotels and and in very nice areas so i if i went by myself like regardless of what i'm getting paid growing up as a poor kid i still think of traveling let's go with frugal <laughs> or yeah, just so that- traveling as a poor person i i fully i can have i don't care how much money i can have in my bank account i still travel personally as a poor person trying to get the best deals i can 
staying in the worst possible staying places. The, yeah, the cheapest hostels. Absolutely, yeah. If it so, has a door, it's okay. <laughs> exactly. If it has a door and I'm able to like keep my stuff in a corner where somebody might not touch it, I'm probably going to stay there. Yeah, because I only plan on sleeping there, right? So, um, I mean, I did do some personal travel, but I tried to make it where work would where just somebody pay, else for would it, pay for it, and then I could like tax on a couple extra days. Uh, of doing my own thing which is kind of the opposite of what a lot of people a lot of uh, americans that you talk to if they've lived in korea or lived in that region a lot of them taught english when they were there right um they saved up all their money so that they could pop over somewhere else on weekends exactly. and they yep. they lived in that in that frugal way and popped uh to the different countries when they could afford it whereas right. you were just sent there and stayed in the fancy <laughs> places and interviewed celebrities right so oh, and and it's i was... almost like the the nicer the higher end version of that to going to right. teach english right and, and i and i totally realized how lucky i was getting to be able to do all this stuff which is why i was trying to take advantage of it as much as possible but no, it was it was great. I mean, they I I not only got to meet and interview plenty of like Korean celebrities, but when they would come in, we would meet the other celebrities of those countries because they were also fans of these K-pop stars and artists. And oh, so they were so, going to say hi and correct, yeah. And-, and it got to a point where when I was hosting that show, I ended up being a somewhat celebrity in Korea where. I was being recognized from the show because you were the K-pop guy. Correct. That knew all the K-pop stars. Cor- and knew all- That's right. Yeah. So, like, so oh, not let's only- talk to him. Maybe he can get us in with these. So there was that. There was there was the people who were like, "Hey, I love the show. It's great. I'm. It's helping me learn English, right?" So that was cool. And then there was the people who were like fans of me, and generally it was you know 12, 13 year old girls where you're like, oh, "This is making me uncomfortable." <laughs> but then there were the people who knew that K-pop fans are crazy. First of all, like they will sit outside of hotels where they know the celebrities are. They will, they, they, they go to the point where if they know that they're flying into a country for a show, they'll book flights on that flight just to get in there, take pictures of the celebrity and then just leave the flight. They won't even go on the flight. They just get it. So they also they'll board and take pictures and then then leave it. Yeah. That, I mean, they're, they're, I don't want to say crazy people because that sounds like a bad thing, but God damn it. They're crazy people. (laughs) So, They're very excited fans. They are very passionate fans. There's anti-fans. There's Korean anti-fans that will go out there and try to hurt the image of like opposing groups. Like they're a fan of... Oh, so they're a fan of this group. They're a fan of this group. And there's another group that, you know, is similar to that group. So they will do all they can online to try to make it like spread rumors and, and go as far as like making cakes for them that have poison in it. Like that is a thing it's nuts (laughs) so because they know that i'm interviewing certain people you know certain people certain fans let's say i wanted to interview bts which is uh, a lot of people heard of bts which they're they're huge right now they're definitely the biggest korean group in the world right now um if i were going in to interview them you would have the regular fans who would buy gifts for them and would see me come through and try to get me to give give them them these gifts right so obviously i can't accept that for more than just legal reasons but they're also the anti-fans who are trying to pose as regular fans, trying to get me to take their gifts in. And that are bad make, gifts. Exactly, yeah. So it was just like a, I would have to put my hands against my chest, like like a, like a sarcophagus, like an Egyptian person, like the hands across the chest. Because if my hands were out, they would put the, the gifts like around my hands. On them and- yeah, and so I'd be walking with, with gifts being wrapped around me. And it, yeah, it's it's it was entertaining to see because you don't really see that anywhere but 
it was also like, oh, this could go very bad very fast because then if I'm accepting one person's gift, then other people are getting mad that I'm not accepting their gift, and it just becomes, it just turns into yeah. a whole thing. So I just have to cross my hands, and go, nope, sorry, can't take anything, take it, yeah, yeah, bye, 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 yeah. Get through as quick as you can. Exactly, yeah. So that was obviously a very exciting time in your life. Uh, a, a lot of fun over there, but not something you're going to do long term. Not yeah, you're it, not going to make your career as a, a K-pop TV host, right? In yeah, Korea. That... so you ended up coming back to the states. Mm-hmm. What your job that you're doing now, though, you still travel a ton. I think you said when you got here, you had been working the past two months without a day off, popping around to different cities in the U.S. Yes. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about what it is that you do now and what what kind of travels that brings to you. So I, I currently work on POS systems, point of sale. So like whenever you go to a stadium or arena restaurant, and it's what the servers are using to log in your food and your drinks, getting your receipts. Um, I install them. I do IT. I do database building live support, pretty much everything front to end from the systems coming in to making sure that they're ready to go when a store opens. Um, like, like Currently, I am on, t- today is my second day off I've had in two months. And yeah, I'm I'm probably home when I'm busy three to five days a month. And that's not back-to-back days. That's, that's two days here day and one between, day here. Correct, right. Or like flying in a half out. day, one day and a half day, another day. Um, and if I'm on the East Coast, I don't even bother flying home because I'm based out of Southern California. So the, there's no point in me flying home six hours, seven hours, just to fly right back out the next morning, another six or seven hour flight. So I'll find somewhere to go. Either I'll, I'll look for my baseball team or my basketball team. Or or this trip, for example, or, you had a couple of days off and you came to D.C. instead to see a, a soccer game and correct. hang out with me for a couple of days. Yeah. Um, Rather than flying all the way back to California, and exactly. Flying, you're headed to Denver next, right? Yes, I'm heading to Denver through the weekend. Uh, it's what Wednesday today, Thursday today, Thursday today. Thursday today, yeah. And I'll be, I leave tonight, and then I'm in Denver until Sunday, and then I get to go home for a week, which is like so exciting because all I'm gonna, I mean, all I'm gonna do is go home and sit on my couch and watch TV and do do exactly what I do in the hotel rooms. But at least I'm at home. And you'll get a bunch of packages from Amazon, probably. Yeah, I'll order a bunch of stuff that'll sit in my home that I won't see for another two months. <laughs> yeah, so that and with with that travel, that's all paid travel by your your contractor, right? Correct. They, yeah. So the companies that you work for pay, or the companies that are getting the systems installed pay for pretty much everything for your travels. Yes, they pay for my flights. They pay for my hotel. I have a per diem for food. So even when I'm whatever I'm making on money. I still am not even spending any of it, but I get to keep all of my points, which comes through on when I want to take personal time to travel. The few days I have off, I still take personal travel days. So I'm, I'm pretty much gone all year outside of like January. I take that whole month off and do absolutely nothing, which is me sleeping in until noon and going to bed at four o'clock in the morning and playing video games all day. Like Relaxing and recharging. Kind of living, yeah, I'm, I'm living the 12-year-old dream uh, of what I wanted in my life that I never thought would actually be attainable and then somehow figured it out purely through luck. Just, purely yeah, through luck. Work really hard, travel all over, and then yeah. uh, stop for a while and play video games. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, and I, I'm telling everybody, like, it, it is. I did not work hard to get to where I like it's purely luck you just ended up there and but you're i mean you're you're working hard now and when you travel you're you're not just sitting around and 
Well, and I'm able to do the job that I'm doing. Yeah. So it's not like I'm kind of standing there and going like, well, I don't know how this, why this isn't working. Like I still have, I still know how to do my job. You can fix it. You can and install I can still, it. You can, right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, how I got the job and how I ended up where I ended up all purely luck. I just right place, right time, got lucky. <laughs> so you mentioned before that you get to keep all the points. And we were talking the other day about uh, elite statuses, mm-hmm. I guess, in the, the world of miles and points, there are. Uh, there's a, a group of people who are road warriors, kind of like what you do, that travel all the time for business and earn mm-hmm. a ton of points that way. And then there's another group who earns the points mostly through credit card spending and that kind of thing, which right. is kind of where I fall into. And sometimes that side gets jealous of the road warriors because they get all these points for free. But then if they start doing a road warrior job, they're like, oh, no, wait, this isn't as great as it seems. Yeah. Um, but you you have a, a lot of different elite statuses because yes. you travel so much and you are, you don't just stick with one airline or one hotel. You reach top tier elite in all of them. Right. Pretty much. Yes. What it, go through what you have as far as elite statuses so that all of us who just earn through credit card spend can be a little bit jealous. <laughs> sure. Uh, so Marriott, I am at the top uh, elite. I, I, okay, so here's the thing. I've, I have so many elite statuses. I don't remember which one is like diamond or platinum or business. Like what, what the official name is. Marriott are. is, uh, I believe it's titanium ambassador now with. I don't know, three cookies on Tuesdays. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> they renamed all of the things it, and <laughs> made it extra confusing. Right. So so to to save me from having to remember what's what, I'm just gonna say what I am at the top, at the top of. of. Yeah. I am okay. at the top of. So uh uh Marriott, I'm at the top of. Uh this year I started on Hilton and I literally just got to Diamond like on my last trip. So the last the uh, on Tuesday. When I got here, I got diamond. So right. I just got diamond. I am top tier on uh, Wyndham. Is it Wyndham? Wyndham. Wyndham. I I never say that right. Wyndham. I'm top tier on. So those are my three hotels that I'm that I'm top tier on. I tried to go for Marriott specifically early because there's more Marriotts outside of the U.S. Yeah, it's they definitely have, especially now with the combination with Starwood. They right. have a huge number of properties. Yeah. Um. If if you can get your state credits and get the points to post, which yeah, we which talked is a little difficult. bit about, and uh, right. <laughs> I, I deal with quite a bit on a regular basis, but yeah, um, they can be a pain in the butt with 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 their points, but yeah, but as far as points. far as the footprint of the hotel brands, they are by far the biggest at this point, right. and the easiest to find a hotel wherever it is you end up, right? Um, and then with Hilton, I feel like there's a lot more brands within the US, but there's not a whole lot outside of the US, um, which is why I've like waited to do Hilton towards the end. Um, and then so with flying, I've got top on American Delta United, and I'm working on my Southwest right now. So I'm, I'm six months in and I'm just over halfway for my Southwest companion pass which i'm trying to get and of course i'm gonna get the companion pass and i'm not gonna have anybody to go with because my friends at home are homebodies i can't get them to leave the house for a concert that's down the street so and you a lot of times your travel is kind of last minute too because you don't right. know when you're gonna have a few days off or when you're so getting someone yeah. else to plan with that is right is tough. right which is which is fair, but I still try to like because but you'll of my still job, get the, like the A list boarding. You'll get right, yeah, when you fly I'll, yeah. Southwest. I'll get the automatic check in for Southwest, so I don't check in too late and get Group F. Yeah. <laughs> so that I'm sitting, you know, a, a middle seat somewhere in the back. But um, 
But yeah, so I'm, I'm working toward my, my Southwest one now, which I'm sure I'll get. All right. So let's talk about, we talked a little bit about your Asian travels, your travel. You're mostly in the U.S. with your current job, or do you do international as well? Um, current job sends me mostly U.S., Canada. Um, we're supposed to be doing stuff. I think I'm going to be in Manila for a couple months. Um, and then they're trying to get stadiums in Japan, like all the baseball stadiums in Japan. And because I speak a little bit of Japanese, they're so trying to make me the person to do that. Thing. Yeah, but but I don't I don't. I, I can't really put all my eggs in the basket on that one because one, I would get way too excited for being in Japan for that long. And yeah, there's two, so much to see and do. And yeah. Those coffee machines on every corner. Yeah. And, 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 and if <laughs> for anybody so much good there. Yeah. And for anybody who's been to Japan, like, and, and even Korea, how much they use technology in their everyday life, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of things there that I get there and I'm like, I don't. I don't know what any of this is. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. How to, I don't install my stuff, but I think you guys need better specialized <laughs> stuff than what I know how to do. So yeah, like I your stuff is the, like the bottom tier of what yeah. they use in their homes. So. I mean, I mean, look, one of the systems I use runs off of windows 2000. So that's just, yeah, that's, yeah, that's an example, that's of, an example. of where the state of the, <laughs> so how many, do you know how many countries you've been to at this point? Um, I want to say it's definitely over a hundred and it's definitely under 150. <laughs> uh, somewhere so a lot compared yeah, to most people. Yeah, I, I think I'm somewhere in the 120s. Okay. Um, um, I, I have a count at home, but I'm pretty sure I'm in the 120s. Okay. So you've got me significantly beat on that, but also I never lived in Asia and had yeah. years where people sent me places. So. Right. Well, I, I, and I've used, I've used us soccer as a tool to see new places um, of the excuse of like, Oh, they're playing Ireland. Okay. Well, let's go watch them play Ireland and I can check on Ireland. Oh, they're playing France. Let's go to France and I can check out France. Now, granted, they're not playing Kazakhstan or, or God, I probably didn't say that right. Uh, or any of the African countries away games. But um, if I get an excuse to do that, I'll go do that. I've been using sports before, after I was doing travel for stand up and before I was doing travel for this job, I always tried to use sports as my way to like see new places. As an excuse or not yeah. excuse as much as a reason, like I'm going to go see this sports team play here. I'm right. Go. It's like I'm, I'm a Pirates fan and like they, they play, you know, AL teams every couple of years. They do a rotation. So like one year they're playing the Royals and I was like, well, when else am I going to go to Kansas City? So I'll use that as an excuse to go. No offense to Kansas City, I, I, there's plenty of great things I've seen in Kansas City, but it was like, I have no reason to go to Kansas City, but the Pirates are playing there, so I'm going to go watch the Pirates So play. now I have a reason. And now I have a reason to go there, right. And explore the city for a couple of days and Correct. enjoy it and see what's there. Exactly, yeah. So, um, And with U.S. soccer, again, because they play a lot of international, especially with World Cup, gave me a great excuse to be able to go to South Africa or Brazil or... Um, and you went to all the all of the qualifiers for the latest sad round of men's world Cup yes. that, that yeah. ended so, very poorly in trinidad but at least you were in trinidad yeah right yeah so with, with yeah with the the last qualifying for the u.s national team that took me to uh the last round was costa rica panama mexico honduras and trinidad and tobago which was we did trinidad not tobago if you do do Trinidad and Tobago, go to go to Tobago. There's a lot more fun things to do at Tobago than yeah, that's, in Trinidad. We, we did both. Our family did both a couple of years ago, and there's, I mean, the beaches are much nicer. Yeah, and the 
there's waterfalls. It rained pretty much our whole time there, so oh, it no. was not one of my wife's favorite vacations. But uh -huh. it also the beaches weren't crowded. But yeah, no, not at all. It was raining. Goes, <laughs> yeah, and plus everybody goes to Trinidad, not Tobago. Yeah, and, and you can, I mean, you can still snorkel when it's raining. It's a, it was a light rain. Yeah. It was, we still saw some cool underwater stuff. And the waterfalls that we saw were really rushing because it was crazy. Raining. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that again, they, they, that takes me all over to the Caribbean and, and Central America. Um, Do you have a, a favorite country or a couple of favorite countries that are places you would, if given the chance, you would absolutely go back there? I mean, Iceland, I think, is my favorite place just because it's so different every two-hour drive. So you go down the road, and I'm like, hey, this looks like the Midwest. And then you go another two hours, and you're like, this looks like Ireland. And then you go another two hours, and it's like, this looks like a the planet moon. I've never been to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the moon. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's very beautiful. It's, it's, you're not going to run into a whole lot of people while you're there, Yeah. Um, at least when I usually go. Um, I usually end up going in the fall, uh, right before it gets too cold to go anywhere. Um, okay. I, I, I love, I, I will, I will go back to Iceland as much as I possibly could. Like I, I love Iceland. Um, and every I did, time I've gone, I, I did one trip there, um, for a couple of days. Uh, my wife was there for a couple of days, but we went in September and she's a teacher, so uh -huh. she can't really take a lot of time off. I right. think she took one day off. Um, and then she flew home and I explored for a couple more days with a couple other friends, but we, we were based in, uh, Reykjavik and then we just kind of did day trips out. We went as far as, uh, Vic on the Southern coast yes. and, but we didn't get anywhere to the real West side of the Island or the North side yeah. or the middle. We saw, we did the golden circle right. and we went to some hot springs and we saw the Northern lights, just a little bit of Northern lights, mm -hmm. but I, I would definitely like to go back to Iceland and ex explore more of that. Yeah. Speaking of Vic, there's a really cool abandoned like bomber that's on the beach. Yeah. We went there in Vic. Did you we see went that? And climbed around that. And yeah. I think that's been, it's been closed off and then reopened and then closed again. And right. I think it I'm, depends on the weather and the time of the year. I'm, that I'm not a hundred percent sure it was open when we went, we were yeah. the only people there, but then somebody pulled up as we were leaving. So, <laughs> it's it, it's kind of out in the the middle of nowhere. You need to sort of get the coordinates and then yeah, and you, it's, it's you it's, leave a road and you're driving along this like black sandish. Well, see, you got to drive beach. along it. I had to park on the side of the road and walk that. Well, maybe I was supposed to. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. But it. we had a we had a decent car and it looked pretty solid. So we drove. We parked right over by the plane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I walked that. That was that was a long walk. That yeah. was a very long walk. Um. Yeah. The last time I was in Iceland, I. No, the first time I was in Iceland, I made the mistake of screwing up the conversion rate of what it was going to cost me to drive. Now, the government doesn't regulate gas like they do in the U.S., so the gas can get quite expensive out there. Yeah, so I, especially the farther out from yes, the city you get. I went full on from Reykjavik to the east side of the island, and I had to fill up. I was like about to run out of gas. I was running on fumes, found a gas station. It was like, Oh, I barely have enough money to <laughs> fill this car up, let alone fill it up again when I return it. So I got all the way to the western side of the island. I was like, I have to drive back because I had planned on doing the entire island. I, I was going to yeah. take a couple days and just drive the whole thing. And so I drove back the same way I came, got back, filled it up, was out of money, was pretty much out of because I think it cost me like $250 to fill up a, a, a Mini Cooper. Or it wasn't even a Mini Cooper, it was a Fiat. 
It was a little yeah. Fiat and it cost me like 200, it was like $225 to fill up and then get it back to the rental place, fill it up again. So, you know, I'm out so for $450 at that. And- right. And I had planned on doing like a road trip around Europe right after that. and was like, nope, that's throwing that <laughs> out the window. So we used like the, the rest of the money I had left to get a, a, a hostel in uh, Lyon and just hung out in Lyon for a week. Ended up meeting some great people there that I still go back and see when I go into France. Um, so it ended up working out, but I like just screwed it. So I was like, okay, next time I go back, one, I need to plan for more money. And two... Yeah. I'm hoping I can go with people so I can split so the cost. Split the cost yeah. from the <laughs> Which is always my one thing. Is like I tell everybody, definitely go to Iceland, but try to go with somebody because it's going to get expensive. Yeah, and we had a if few of drive. us, but I mean, the the hotels were so expensive. They the last couple nights there, I was there with two friends, and we just shared one room and yeah. kind of. I mean, it was it was a big bed. We just kind of yeah put pillows in between and laid down and. I think that's that was the only option, really. That goes back to my um, traveling frugal of when I'm traveling by myself, personal with people. I'll just find whatever's cheap, and I'm like, just lay on top of me, or we'll just pile next to each other. If we can save some money, we're not here to. We didn't travel to Europe or wherever to sleep. We traveled here to do stuff. Yeah, we didn't figure out the part to see the hotel. Right, exactly. Nice. The one of the last episodes um, when I was talking to my friend Caroline, we talked about using the the certificates that come from credit cards and earn certificates, and you get to stay at super nice places. But at the same time, uh, her and I both and you, we we stay at the the cheaper places we, we're not going to be staying at a saint regis if we're right. paying for it right <laughs> <We're>, exactly <laughs> if i have a hotel certificate or i have something that i can use for my credit card i'm absolutely going to yeah. go stay at the saint regis yeah. and i'll have my butler service and it'll be lovely right but it i'll also stay at a, a ten dollar room kind of hanging out over the water in the philippines right. and yeah it was I mean, it had walls. You could see through them. But right. Well, I mean, was, the other, the other and thing, it was great. I met yeah. a lot of nice people at that place. Well, that's what I was going to get at. It was like, even when you stay at the cheaper places, and it's not, it's not that it's not the case at the more expensive spots, but you meet interesting people at, you know, at the, the hostels or the, the, the super cheap Airbnbs or what have you. Uh, you'll meet people from all over the world who are basically doing the same thing. And you're kind of going through the same quote unquote struggle of, trying to travel with as little money as possible and and i mean you can make plenty of friendships that way i mean i yeah. i remember my first trip that i took kind of by myself outside of the country thinking like am i going to have a good time like I, I, maybe i should be experiencing this with other people kind of that like thought of you know the insecurities of traveling by yourself and and I used to be a planner. Like this was going to be what I was going to do at this time and, and try to fit as many things as I could in a day to make sure I didn't miss out on anything. And as I started traveling by myself, I started realizing like traveling kind of on the fly brought me better experiences because I wasn't rushing myself. And I was maybe meeting locals who were taking me to spots that I wouldn't have normally visited because they weren't in a travel guide or you know something like that yeah and that so that really happens when you're when you're traveling solo we were just out the other night at a bar and i saw there was one alcohol there and i yeah i made you try it it was spicy which is not your thing so <laughs> right. you weren't a fan but it's called uh choco or and it's it's made by a guy here in dc he started the company but it's a, a liquor from columbia and then he added, he infuses it with peppers, and it's great. But that that base liquor from Colombia, I, I think it's uh, Aguardiente, is the name of it. 
is what we bought in cartons as I was wandering through the streets in Barranquilla with these random people that I met because a girl staying at the Airbnb that I was staying at said, hey, I met these girls from Australia and they're staying with some Colombians. Do you want to go hang out with them? And I said, yes. Right. I mean, we had this whole crew. But as we wandered through the streets during Carnival in Barranquilla, we... um, at every corner store we would buy it was like a milk carton of this liquor and we just kind of pass it around and drink it as we walked and then we'd move on and then a couple blocks later someone would go in like the next person would go in and buy one and (laughs) so i I took a picture of that when we were having our little uh sips our little shots of that the other night and i put it on facebook and tagged all those random people in uh, a few people from Colombia, a few people from the US, a couple of Australians. And I was like, hey, remember this and tagged them. And they were all like, oh, yeah, this is great. And yeah. the, the Colombian girls were like, yeah, come back anytime. We'll have a great time. Yeah. And it was I, it's people that I still keep in touch with that I met because I stayed at the place that was $13 a night. Right. And the the girl actually who knew the people who took us to meet these other people had booked a hammock in the backyard of that place for $7 a night. So she went with the cheaper option. I saw that (laughs) as an option. And I was like, no, I'll take the room with a door that closes. (laughs) But she booked the hammock, which turned out to be a terrible idea because when the sun came up in the morning, it wasn't a covered courtyard. And it was just, it just came down and baked. So we found and ended up finding a mattress and she ended up sleeping in the hallway in a mattress because <laughs> all the rooms were taken and she was just baking when she was in the hammock. So she right. would sleep until the sun came up in the hammock and then move into the mattress in the hallway. And you kind of have to like step over her on the way to the bathroom right. if she wasn't up yet. But it was I mean, it was a good time and I still keep in touch with these people. So uh, as we come to a close here, let's just let any, everybody know how they can find you uh, to uh, get those miles that you mentioned earlier or to if they want to interact or see the stuff yeah. you're posting from your travels and from the, the soccer games you travel to in the different countries because you are definitely one of the, the most well-traveled of the people we've had on the show so far. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, I have an Instagram. Uh, it's Just Say Noriega, like the old uh, Bush anti-Noriega campaign. Just Say Noriega. I have a Facebook, but it's mostly me just complaining about U.S. soccer. And I don't really post, I don't post any pictures there. So pretty much all of my stuff filters through my Instagram. I don't have a Snapchat. I don't have Twitter. I don't have all the other social medias. It gives me anxiety. There's too many. So I just do Facebook for my rants <laughs> and, and Instagram for my pictures. And that's it. <laughs> so Instagram is the place to go. And yeah. we'll, we'll link up to that so that people can find you there and uh, get you some new followers. But yeah, feel I think... free to message me if you have questions about anything. I've been everywhere. So we're doing Cuba in November. So that'd be a good. Uh, yeah, that'll people, be a good one people are interested people to, how... to take a look. I know a lot of people haven't been there yet. And with the new. Uh, with the new rules that are written in for us, it's going to be a little bit harder to travel there, but there's ways around that. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, there, there definitely are. I went, I think technically before it was really opened up and I, I did a Lufthansa award ticket through Panama. Yeah. So, and I couldn't book that by calling in the U S I had to call the, the British call center for yep. Lufthansa <laughs> because yep. they would book it for me. So yeah. <laughs> they, I mean, there's always ways. So you'll see some, some exciting travels and uh, some cool pictures on Ray's Instagram. And that about wraps it up for this episode. So Ray, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for coming into town and going yeah. to this game and hanging out for a couple of days, but especially thanks for sitting here and recording uh, and letting people know a little bit about your background and your yeah. travel. Thank you. This was fun. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ray Noriega. 
He's an interesting guy with some great stories, and I'm definitely glad I met him a few years back. If you like what you're hearing on the Award Travel 101 podcast, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the new episodes we have coming down the line. Also, leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform to help other people find this podcast so they can enjoy it too. And that's all we have for today. So until next time, safe travels and keep on burning those miles and points.